This is Austin Real Estate Investing. Austin Real Estate Investing. We'll be discussing real estate investing in Austin, Texas, and bringing you experts from all different sectors of the real estate game. Your host, Jordan Moorhead, is a real estate agent and investor in Austin and is here to help you get started or to build your portfolio and explore new strategies. Hi, this is Jordan Moorhead. This is Austin Real Estate Investing. And today we've got Casey Gorringe on here. Hey, Casey, how are you? I'm doing well, Jordan. I appreciate the time. Absolutely. I appreciate getting you on here. I know we've been trying to get you on here for a few months and just continued to work on it. And we finally got you. So yes, you sir, you're persistent. You're persistent. And I appreciate the patience. Absolutely. I know we're all busy here, especially if you're in the Austin real estate market right now. Oh, goodness. Yes. Crazy. So Casey, can you just tell us a little bit more about who you are and how you're involved with real estate investing in Austin? Absolutely. So I moved to Austin a little over five years ago. I had a sales job at the time and the company started making some decisions that jeopardized my reputation with my clients. And I'd finally had enough. Of course, like most people in real estate, I had read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Kiyosaki. Read that when I was probably 17 or 18 years old. I loved playing with Legos as a child. So maybe I was destined to go into real estate to build things. But after working for that company in sales, I knew I wanted to do something on my own. And so I just started researching how to make money in real estate. And I just, I was a sponge, right? I would absorb anything and everything I could get my hands on. And I started going to meetup groups here locally in Austin. And I would just introduce myself to folks and say, hey, I'm Casey, you know, I'm green, I'm, I'm new to real estate, but I have a sales background, I'll hustle. And most people looked at me like I was a joke, but one guy took me up on my offer and he became my mentor and I started knocking doors in the Texas summer and we did quite well, but wow, what, what a way to cut your teeth in real estate, knocking doors in Texas heat. It was fun. So y'all were flipping houses and you were out finding the houses to flip. Yes, sir. Yep. We were, we were flipping houses, uh, doing fix and flips, and then we wholesaled houses as well. Awesome. And he had you out there finding all the deals. And <laughs> Yes. It was a good gig for him. <laughs> yeah, but a good gig for you too, because it sounds like you learned a ton and that probably got you where you are today. A hundred percent. I am beyond grateful to the man. Still talk to him today. Still consider him a good friend. Awesome. So, you know, Casey, it sounds like you've done a lot. You could you tell us a little bit more about what you're up to today? So you got started flipping, but what are you working on here today? Yeah, you bet. So I transitioned to land development about two years ago, Jordan. And I did so because I saw the writing on the wall. As you know, Austin is a hyper, hyper competitive market in the single family game. Yeah. And you know, when I first started. I mean, our average, when we wholesaled properties, our average wholesale fee was probably anywhere from twenty-five dollars to $30,000 net. And it cost us about $5,600 to get a signed contract with direct mail, which is, is it, well, it was our bread and butter back then. And then our margins started to compress. So I saw the writing on the wall and it just so happened I had read the book Blue Ocean Strategy. And I cannot remember the author for the life of me, but the whole premise of the book is if you want to be successful in business, go to Blue Waters where there's not blood in the water. And it was just such perfect timing to read that book. A friend of mine had said, hey, you really need to look at doing rural land development. I think you would like it. It's more creative. And so I have since transitioned to that. 
And so our bread and butter now is buying larger tracts of land out in the boonies, out in the sticks, if you will, and cutting them up into little ranchettes, five, 10 acre ranchettes. We'll reserve water taps for each tract. We'll clean the property up, install dirt driveways, and then we will sell those tracts to individuals who want to build a home. Awesome. So are these, are are these all septic typically? Yes. Okay. And you're not doing the septic. You're just I, I don't, Jordan, I would, I would definitely look into it. The only reason that I don't do it and, you know, just a, a, you know, rewind a little bit here. I am a big believer in the more you can deliver a finished product, not only the quicker are you going to be able to sell it, but it's more attractive. And I'm amazed at how many of my competitors don't do that, which it's great for me. But the reason I typically don't do septics is because it's very specific as to where someone's going to put their home. Yeah. And you have a 10 acre tract. I, unless I'm building the home, I don't want to dictate where they're going to have to put their home. So I leave that up to them. That makes a lot of sense. When you think about it, with that size lot, mm-hmm. that's, you're not going to figure out where the home's going to go. Um, you know, so you talked about getting into real estate investing, you know, and you were in your sales job. You said you'd always been interested in real estate investing, but what sparked that interest and when did that all start? Was that earlier on? Maybe were you in your teens or was that when you lost your sales job or quit your sales job? It was definitely in my teens. I had read, as mentioned, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And then I I read another book. I think it was titled, I still have it on my bookshelf. I think it was titled How to Become a Millionaire by Your 30s or something to that effect. Yep. I've always been a voracious reader. I devour books ever since I was a young kid. And there was just something about real estate, maybe the fact that it's tangible, you can see it, you can touch it. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, I think it's ingrained in us as Americans, you know, quote unquote, the American dream, right? People want real estate. And it, ironically, I mean, when I quit that sales job, I honestly had no plans. I, I kind of made a knee jerk reaction decision when I quit. And I really didn't have any plans on what I wanted to do. So I just started Googling how to make money, how to support yourself. And I saw an article about real estate and that just reignited that passion as a young kid. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, the Millionaire by 30s, I think the book, I have not read it, but I think I also have it. So um, yeah, I think anybody that's looking to make money, real estate really sticks out there. Of, oh, you, you can make money doing this. But you found a real specific path to do that when you were out knocking doors for a guy who was flipping houses and you were helping wholesale houses and then, you know, jumping into rural land development. That's just not something you hear a lot of. You hear a (laughs) ton about, hey, let's buy multifamily or you should get into syndication or you should do this and that. You don't really hear rural land development. Yeah, it's it's a different ballgame for sure. I think what deters most people, Jordan, is the fact that it's a much, much longer sales cycle. Mm -hmm. And you will go months, literally months without a paycheck, without revenue. So some folks just don't have the stomach for it. Plus it's not like a a single family house where you're going to have lenders tripping over themselves to lend you money, whether it's a hard money lender or, you know, folks that want to partner with you. Raw land is a completely different ball game. So I think it deters a lot of folks and it's incredibly risky. I mean, I'm not here to paint a rosy picture. Yeah. You can make really good money, but there is, I would say much more inherent risk with raw land. Most banks, most hard money lenders, and when I say most, I mean 99.9% of people out there that lend money, they will laugh you out their door if you try to say, 
I want $500,000 for, you know, 20 acres in the middle of nowhere. So completely different ballgame. What types of terms do you get on loans like that? And you probably get better terms than I'm going to get if I walk into a bank. <laughs> it even does raw land loans right now because they say, hey, you know, Casey's got a track record. But what kind of terms did you get when you were starting? Yeah. So that's a good question. And it, it, you know, it varies, it fluctuates. I have a a hard money lender that the only reason they'll loan me money for land deals is because we've done business in the past for single family. They like me, they trust me, they know my word is gold. So I would pay back the loan, even if I lost the property uh, or if things went South rather. But uh, that is, that's pricey and I don't engage them unless I absolutely have to. But mm-hmm. it typically, it's, it's almost like a single family hard money loan, but it's typically 10% and three points up front. It's pricey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is pricey. With my banking relationship, I will get last loan with them. It was four and a half percent interest. It was an IO, so interest only loan for 18 oh, months, cool. but it was amortized over 30 years. So the balloon was in 18 months, but I have to put 20% down. So you know, for example, I'm engaging them right now for 55 acres in Travis County that we just got under contract, $400,000 sales price. I have to come up with 80 grand on my own. So it's, it's a little different than single family in that regard. You say 55 acres for $400,000? Correct. 55 acres. Yes, sir. That's pretty cool. That sounds like a pretty good deal. Yeah, it has a lot of floodplain, so it's going to be tricky. A lot of floodplain. <laughs> so we'll see how that one goes. We actually have to conduct a floodplain analysis, and a floodplain analysis is anywhere from ten to fifteen thousand dollars, just to find out if the deal will work. So again, these are things that deter most folks from doing this business. So you have to have you have to have the stomach for it, man, and you have to be willing to be bold. So in your option period, you're spending ten to fifteen thousand to do the floodplain analysis. Crazy wow. as it sounds, on this deal, I have to. Yes. Yeah. No, it makes sense. You got to do these this due diligence to figure out if the deal's going to work. But that's yeah. a lot of money up front on a four hundred thousand dollar property. It is a lot. It's a substantial amount of money up front, Jordan. And uh, if yeah, if come to find out that the deal doesn't make sense after spending that kind of money, I might have to have a beer or four or five after that one. So we'll see how that goes. So speaking of due diligence on raw land, uh, what's a normal due diligence process look like for you? That's a good question. So typically speaking, we are asking for anywhere from two to four months just for a feasibility period or an option period in order Mm -hmm. to do our due diligence. And during that period, we are going to check with the local water company, whomever serves that area. Uh, for example, this Travis County property, it's aqua water, and they actually have a water line running along the street. So we're going to do what's called a water uh, feasibility study to see if there's capacity because we are requesting four water taps, which are called LUEs, living uh, unit equivalent. And so we're requesting, because we're doing four tracks, hopefully, we need to make sure there's enough water capacity. A water feasibility study typically takes anywhere from 45 to 60 days. So we're at the mercy of these utility companies, right? And then you have to meet with the county or the city. Typically, we play in the county's jurisdiction. I don't like to look at land in the city's jurisdiction or even the ETJ, extraterritorial jurisdiction. 
So you got to meet with the county. You got to make sure you're doing everything up to par. Uh, Travis County requires these floodplain analysis analyses, whereas Bastrop County typically doesn't. So it just depends on each county. There are a lot of uh, a lot of dotting the I's and crossing the T's, so to speak. So it, it takes a lot longer. Okay. Yeah. So it sounds like your due diligence is quite a lot. And when you're dealing with an, a utility company who doesn't have anything to gain by helping you or being quick, that could certainly slow things down. Hey guys, this is Jordan Moorhead here. And I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me. If you could go leave a review for this podcast, wherever you're listening to it, that would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing. And I'd be able to help more people. Thanks guys. Yeah. I mean, there, some of these utility companies are, I believe it's, it's kind of a hybrid model, but uh, some of them are private companies. Uh, some of them are private, but publicly traded companies, but they definitely have a monopoly in their area. And mm -hmm. I think they strike agreements with uh, municipalities and counties, but they actually, some of them are pro growth and they want to help you. Aqua water is my favorite to deal with, but yes. when you, when you work with some of these other <laughs> utility companies, uh, they're, they're kind of, how do I say this in a nice and eloquent way? They're not the the most conducive to growth and helping developers. Awesome. So, you know, we just talked a little bit about due diligence. Could you tell us something maybe you look out for so our listeners could look out for it too when they're looking for properties like this, or maybe they're looking for properties to send to you? What's one of the big red flags you look out for? Yeah, that's a really good question. And anyone that is currently doing land or interested in getting into land development, always, always have a checklist of everything you go through. And I highly recommend working with someone that's in the business that can mentor you. But we have a checklist that our team goes through for every property. Things such as, is it in the floodplain? Uh, most folks just assume that the FEMA floodplain is what they need to check. And there was a new study done called the Atlas 14 study that found specifically in central Texas, they grossly underestimated the floodplain. So the floodplain is now expanding. That has ruined many would-be development deals. Uh, you also need to check if there are endangered species. That's huge. That can completely kill a deal. You need to check if there are wetlands. And you know, when you think of Austin, Texas, you think wetlands, what? That's absurd. We're, we're not in the coast area, coastal areas but there are still designated wetlands with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service around Central Texas. So things like that you need to check. Uh, was it a, a former industrial site? You know, could there be hazardous materials? Uh, is there, I, I mean, we bought a deal, uh, 102 acres in Bastrop, and it had a cemetery in the middle of the property. A public cemetery of which you still have to provide access to if you develop that property. So, and you can't just move a cemetery, right? Yeah. <laughs> that would be a little difficult. We actually, uh, I inquired about it, not that we wanted to, but I was just curious, you know, wondering, because it was smack dab in the middle. I thought, wow, you know, of course that would cause a, a lot of drama. So we, it was more of a, a curiosity than actually something we wanted to pursue. <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot that goes into it, but those are the big ones, you know, environmental concerns, floodplain uh, previous industrial sites, I'd say those are probably the top three or four biggies that can be major red flags and kill a deal. So do you do a phase one when you're doing these projects? Do you, do you have people sample the soil and make sure that it wasn't 
Yeah, and I believe, so we've only gone as far as a phase one, and I believe a phase two is when they actually do soil samples. A phase one, I believe, and don't quote me on this, Jordan, in phase one, typically, these are deals that are infill deals closer to the city. Where I'm playing out in the boonies, you rarely have to do a phase one. You can just look on Google Earth, and I think Google Earth goes back to 1985, if I'm not mistaken, or 1995. So you can see if it was a former concrete plant, for example, Right. I believe that's what entails a phase one, just looking at uh, Google imagery. But mm -hmm. typically in rural land, we don't have to do that. Okay, cool. Um, so if you had one piece of advice for newer investors looking to get into rural land development, what would it be? It sounds like you recommend getting with a mentor that's doing it before you. Um, anything else you'd recommend for a new investor looking to do this? devour as much information as you can. And the thing about real estate development is there's not a lot of information out there because it is so city, county, site specific. Every city has its own rules. Every county has its own rules. So it's very, very localized. But educate yourself. I'm amazed at how few people truly educate themselves. I mean, Jordan, I have spent, and this is no exaggeration, I've probably spent you know, well over $20,000 on events and conferences, sales conferences, negotiation conferences, uh, marketing, et cetera, et cetera, land development, things like that. So educating yourself is one of the most important things you can do. And then finding a mentor. But on the topic of finding a mentor, you know, a lot of folks, I think they approach it the wrong way. If you just go up to someone and say, I want you to mentor me, put yourself in their shoes, right? Like, right. I mean, it took us three months just to schedule this, uh, this podcast. And it's yeah. not because I didn't want to do it. It's because I'm so darn busy, you know, and I know I kept putting you off and rescheduling, but mm -hmm. if someone approached me and said, I want you to mentor me, I would say, thank you with all due respect. I appreciate your tenacity, but there's the door, right? <laughs> you have to approach them from the angle of how can I provide value to you? I will go knock doors, similar to what I did to my mentor, right? So I think most people approach it incorrectly. I think they need to put themselves in the shoes of a potential mentor. Well, and I think it's easy to forget that, you know, these people that you want to mentor, you also have a life outside of what they do for work or what you want to be mentored in. And you say, oh, you know, I'd love to be mentored at 7 p.m. on a Tuesday. And you're like, man, I'm trying to do stuff for myself or hang out with my girlfriend or you know, right. go see family or you know, all of the above on 7 p.m. on a Tuesday. So you not only add value to this person's life, make it really easy for them to see you. Maybe you say, hey, when works for you? And say, hey, I love to get breakfast at 7.30 in the morning at 24 Diner downtown. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. I'd love to buy you breakfast at 24 Diner at 7.30 in the morning. How can I help you? Yeah, you're exactly right, man. And you know, one thing that I love about the real estate business, generally speaking, I am always amazed at how gracious most folks are with their time and their willingness to help people that show these young hustlers that come into the game or even folks that would be deemed, uh, you know, older hustlers that are just, you know, they're in their fifties and they're, they're going through a, a, you know, a change in life. I'm amazed at how many people will just graciously give their time and feedback and help because they too received that when they were first starting, but you're right. You have to, portray it in a way that you are going to bring them value as well. Show them how you're going to help them as much as they're going to help you. Yeah. 
And, you know, like you did in the beginning, go to meetups. There will be meetups again here soon, um, sometime. And I think just go to meetups. There's some great ones here in town. But get out there, learn as much as you can, and then figure out how can I help these people and go do that. Yeah, 100%. Your goal should be that you want everyone in your related field, whether it's you know fix and flip, single family, uh, multifamily, uh, syndications, land development. Uh, ironically, I'm a very private person. I even hesitate to do podcasts. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to land development, I want everyone to know who Casey Gorange is and our company, Land Sale Texas. And I'll do a shameless plug here. LandSaleTX.com is our website, S-A-L-E, instead awesome. of S-E-L-L. Yep, and we'll, we'll actually get your contact info on the show notes here and make sure everybody knows how to get a hold of you. Excellent. Um, I know you guys are always looking for new projects and somebody like me doesn't know what to do with land, but somebody like you would love to have it. We love to look at land deals, man. All right. Um, Casey, what's your best advice for people looking to invest in Austin? So, you know, you started in the single family realm. Now you're doing land development. Let's just say it's somebody that wants to get into Austin and start investing. What do you, what do you advise them to do? I think it's really important that they ask themselves, you know, what, what is their time horizon? What is their exit strategy look like? What yield do they want? they need to make sure that they understand what they're investing in. You know, people get, uh, I, uh, Dan Castro, we both know Dan. Yeah. I love how he says people get deal horny and they, <laughs> it obscures their better judgment. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and hopefully I can say that on this podcast, oh, but, yeah. uh, okay. All right. I was just making sure I, I'll make it a point not to cuss cause I can cuss like a sailor, but I'll withhold that for this podcast. But it's important to ask yourself, what do you feel comfortable investing in? And if you don't, let's say you're a newbie investor, right? Again, go to meetups, educate yourself, find out what you want to learn. And, you know, I think it was uh, Abraham Lincoln that's most famous for saying, give me, what is it, six hours or four hours to cut down a tree. I'll spend the first three hours sharpening my saw, right? Mm -hmm. There is so much opportunity in this market and there will be for, no one has a crystal ball, Jordan, but I am extremely bullish on Austin for the next three to five years. Even if nationally we go through a recession, well, I mean, obviously we've been in a recession with coronavirus, but our housing market has been extremely durable, which is fascinating. I am so bullish on Austin because we are simply not meeting the demand. So there is, I think it's going to be a a gold rush on the land side for the next three to five years. But yeah, just educate yourself and team up with someone that knows what they're doing. But most importantly, vet them. I, I've made the mistake of picking some partners on a deal that uh, <laughs> it's been a wild ride, man. So it's important to truly vet the people you're working with and going as far as hiring a private investigator to look at their history. Yes, oh, wow. yes. Uh, you can find a, a PI that'll do that for probably three to 500 bucks. Best three to 500 bucks you've ever spent. And, you know, I, I just want to add to that, put everything in writing, even if it's your best friend from childhood or, or your, your yes. parents, but put it in writing. I'm in a partnership with a good friend I've known since the fourth grade. But I said, hey, we're putting this in writing. We're having an attorney draw up an operating agreement. We're both signing it. A hundred percent, man. My philosophy is trust, but verify. It could be my mother and we're still signing a contract. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, just to get everything out in the open, it's very smart to have something signed and yes. do your due diligence on this person. Absolutely. Yeah. Money has a funny way of making people 
sometimes make ill-advised decisions. So yes, everything in writing. Awesome. Um, so Casey, you know, I think we talked about your website, but what are ways people can get a hold of you? Um, can you give it that website again, maybe an email address and however you like to be gotten a hold of? Absolutely. So our website is land sale TX as in the Texas state abbreviation.com yeah. and sale is spelled S A L E. And my email is Casey that's K A C E Y at land TX.com. That's the, by far the best way to get in touch with me. And you know, I I'm happy to point folks in the right direction. Again, I've had so much help along the way. I wouldn't be where I'm at if it wasn't for great folks who, you know, took me under their wing, so to speak. So I'm happy to help anyone out, point them in the right direction. Uh, you know, I, I try to make time for people as people have made time for me. Awesome. Really appreciate that. And that, again, we'll put all that in the show notes to everybody. So you can look in the show notes and you'll get Casey's email address. And then it's LandSellText dot com so tx land sale tx dot com um casey last question most important question we ask here is what's your favorite restaurant in austin Ooh, favorite restaurant oh man you know it's uh people are gonna hate me because i actually think they're a chain but i think true lux is the most i love seafood uh, man i know people are gonna kill me for saying that um golly okay how about this rudy's barbecue and people fight me on this too, but Dan Castro agrees with me. I think it's the best barbecue in Texas. They're the most consistent. People think I'm nuts for saying that, but I love Rudy's BBQ, man. That's so anyone, anyone, anyone that's listening and they want to you know, pick my brain about land development, if you say, hey, we'll throw in Rudy's, I'm much more inclined to respond with a yes. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. I also love Rudy's. I will have to try True Lux. Is that... T-R-U-L-U-X. It's uh, T-R-U-L-U-C-K-S. And they have a location downtown and then one up in, I can't remember where it is. Uh, it's north, kind of northwest towards Cedar Park. Okay. I actually, like I said, I, I think they're a chain, but oh, they're so consistent. It's delicious. That's important. Yes, sir. Awesome, Casey. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you being on here. Again, it's LandSaleTX.com and Casey at LandSaleTX. Is that right? Yes, sir. All right. Perfect. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. And we will talk again soon. Thank you. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it.